Clint Hatton had to rise from the ashes of the tragic death of his 17-year-old son, Gabriel, who was a licensed pilot killed in a plane crash while living his dream in 2019. Yet, Clint believes that we were created to live a courageous life. He burns with a passion to inspire and help you overcome every obstacle our dynamic world could possibly throw at you. Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Clint Hatton is an author, motivational speaker, personal development and leadership coach, and the founder of Big Bold Brave, based in Dallas, Texas. Clint has been coaching individuals and teams for over 20 years with a proven track record of helping people grow personally, achieve success, and build healthier marriages and relationships. Welcome, Clint. Hello, Carol. I'm so happy to be with you today. We've been waiting on this a while, so the yes. excitement level is yes. high. Oh, I agree. And you know, it's funny because I usually book about a year in advance, and this show has been going for 13 years, so it's been wonderful, all the people I meet, and then when I book yeah. them, all of a sudden I realize, who is this person? You know, it's been a while <laughs> since we talked, yeah. right? But yeah, no, no my guests are all hand-picked. Believe me, you are very welcome here and I look forward to an awesome time together. So let us start with your backstory. Well, thank you for asking. You know, my backstory, <laughs> it's pretty layered. And anytime I get asked that, I'm always trying to think, okay, well, how do you pare this down? But, you know, in in short, you know, I, I, I grew up in sunny Southern California and actually had what I consider to be a very uh, normal life up until probably about the age of 12 and, you know, uh, very heavily into sports, of course, mm. you know, great, great weather, you know, love, love my community. Uh, but there were some things that began to happen at 12 that I think, you know, certainly had an impact, a long uh, standing impact on just who I became, some of the dysfunctions that I carried for so many years. And it started at, uh, again, at 12, my, my parents had been married over 25 years and, in short, my dad cheated on my mom, which was, you know, devastating to her, of course. They got married when she was 16. Of course, this was, hmm. you know, back in the day, right? Different generation. Right. And uh, so she didn't function very well in that season. You know, he had moved out and things got pretty ugly. 
Uh, I lived with her alone because my oldest brother, I only have one sibling. He's almost eight years older and had already moved out hundreds of miles away. So it was just us. She ended up suffering from what we now phrase as suicidal ideation. Of course, back then I didn't have a term for it. And so she started drinking heavy, tried committing suicide multiple times, twice, oh. almost killed me in the process, once with a, a speeding car uh, that we were in and, and another time with a gun. And and so, you know, had some pretty traumatic experiences. Mm. Well, to fast forward a little bit, it lasted probably about two years, this entire season of my life. They eventually got back together and uh, actually ended up married for over 65 years both of them passed away about eight years ago so they're no longer no longer with me but you know we 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 settled our relationship mm. you know through my early 20s and i had a great relationship with my parents for for many many years but that didn't change the fact that you know at 12 uh, into 13 years old i had to go through some things that you know you just shouldn't and i'm certainly not the only one well that what that led to was faulty coping mechanisms you know first of all so I started drug and alcohol abuse around 13, 14 years old. And that carried with me, you know, for many, many, many years. And, you know, I was, um, <laughs> we, we've heard the phrase functional alcoholic or functional right, drug right. abuser. I, I don't know that there's actual truth to that statement, right? But I think for me, partly because at that age, athletics was important enough to me that it did kind of keep me from going, you know, fully into the ditch, if I could say it that way. Um, but ultimately, by the time I was about 20 years old, I had suffered a couple of catastrophic knee injuries that ended any chance I had of continuing in an athletic career and really just had no focus, Carol, just huh. no focus at all. And so I got into the car business at 21 years old because I want to make money. That's where I was introduced to meth. Oh my and over the, yeah, and over the course of the next nine years, um, just abused meth and pretty much if it didn't involve a needle, always have hated needles. So, <laughs> so if it, <laughs> if it didn't involve a needle, I'm not proud of this fact, but I, I would try it. But uh, anyway, so nine years of that. And then at about 30, uh, 31 years old, I made a decision one day. I was like, this, I'm just tired of this being you know, a part of my life and, you know, probably should be dead to be frank, you know, on right. many different occasions, whether it was, you know, a, an accidental overdose, which never happened. I don't know how, um, or just driving, you know, under the influence I mean, so, mm -hmm. so many ways where I had just had this reckless behavior, but ultimately I made a decision. I was done and I quit cold turkey and that was that I ended up... could i just interrupt yeah you for one absolutely um, yeah please do because i think that I'd, I'd like you to expound a little more on that you know quitting cold turkey you made the decision first of all your frame of mind certainly was not well it was distorted because of the addiction <laughs> right. <laughs> to put it mildly yeah, you can right? say that i'm not offended carol you can say it <laughs> tell the truth absolutely so just expound a little bit more on that, like, because there are people who are in that position, even possibly listening to this show. So how did you really make that decision and stick with it? Yeah, well, it's, it's an important question. And I, I don't mind you asking it. I, I want, before I answer it my way, I do want to be sensitive, though, because, you know, to your point, there may be some people that are fighting that right now that are listening to this and, and i do want to make one quick distinction because this was in uh early 1990 
and it's not that meth was healthy back then you know it was very destructive you know <laughs> i know a lot of people who you know died or i shouldn't say i know a lot of people mm-hmm. i know there was people right. who died from it and i did have many friends that couldn't you know quit the addiction and their lives went nowhere and rotted out teeth and everything else so um it's not like again it was uh, a safe substance but the stuff today is far worse oh, as wow. well and so I would, you know, anybody listening to this saying I quit cold turkey, that is not my endorsement of this is how you should tackle it. I think you should get any possible help whatsoever that is necessary to help you, you know, to break that addiction and professional help is probably going to be a part of that. Um, but my story is my story and I, you know, I right. wouldn't change it. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, part of it was I, I just, I'd been through some stuff and I was just so fed up hmm. with just going nowhere. Um, there's a certain rhythm to life when you're abusing meth, where you literally spend hours and hours and hours, or at least this was the case for me, even waiting to buy it. You know, I remember so many times, like maybe a Friday night, you know, hey, we're going to go out and go to this party or whatever. And then I'd find myself, sitting in front of some drug dealer's house for hours on end mm-hmm. waiting to get this stuff, wow. you know, and, and sometimes not even ever actually going out to do the thing that I had said I intended to do and, and just being in dangerous situations. Um, there's just so many layers to that, but I, I just, I just got so fed up Carol with that being just my lifestyle and I wanted something different. And so, you know, again, I, I think today, if you have a serious meth addiction or any other kind of drug or alcohol addiction, you do, you know, seriously need to consider bringing in professional help. But I will also say, and I'm kind of a neuroscience geek. Now I'm not a neuroscientist, so I'm not going to you know, get into the weeds with uh, medical jargon, but we do know now with brain science that the stories that we tell ourselves about who we are and who right. we want to become right. are very powerful. And so I would say this to you, Carol, even though I can't remember the, the phrase you used, um, I was uh, I was a bit of a mess, right? A bit of a mess, but <laughs> I did make what I now characterize, and it's kind of branding for me to be totally honest, but I, you know, courageous decision. I made a courageous decision that I wanted my life to change. I just decided the type of person that I want to be and I started taking steps that took me in that direction, you know, now am I, that was, you know, 25 plus years, ago, probably 30 right. years ago now. Um, so, you know, I would certainly like to think I'm <laughs> eons <cool>. beyond <laughs> where that guy was. Right. And, and it's true. You know, sometimes I tell the story to be honest with you and it, it sounds like I'm making it up or, or telling somebody else's story because it's so far removed, but, you know, it's just a real part of my journey. And so Absolutely. I think, I think there's something very, very, very powerful and real about deciding who you want to become and then, you know, kind of cutting the cord. So real quick, I'll say this too. I also cut off any of those relationships yes. that I knew would draw me back in as well. So I made some practical decisions as well that, that certainly served me well. All right. Thank you. Now, do you remember what 
what you, where you were in your story, if you'd like to continue. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So ultimately, and I think what I'm about to tell you, I believe is a part of it. Uh, I am, I am a, a man of faith. I'm a Christian. And, you know, up to this point, I was not, um, you know, I was not raised in church or anything like that. For us, it was, you, you'll relate to this because I think we're of the, basically the same or pretty close to the same generation as you know, for us, you used to always have to fill out a form for school or whatever. And the forms were much simpler back then. You didn't have, you know, 50 <laughs> genders and right. 25 oh, no religions. And, Sorry. <laughs> you know, it was, you're a Protestant or you're a Catholic. I mean, that was kind of like it, You're right. You know? I remember that. Oh, totally. And so we would always check the box Protestant because we weren't Catholic. And that was about it. You know, there was really no substance behind that. Just you had to choose one or the other. They didn't have other back in those days where I probably would have, you know, <laughs> clicked that one. So I, I say that to say, you know, I, I didn't have this like, uh, you know, lifestyle of growing up in any kind of you know, religious way or anything like that. But during this season of me even quitting meth, um, just shortly after making that decision, actually, I was involved in a network marketing company. It was a nutritional company. So I'd begun to take my health more serious too. And through that had some relationships and my upline for those who are familiar with that kind of jargon in the network marketing world uh, was someone who I just knew there was something different about them, Carol. Uh, the best way I can describe it is I got to know them very well. They were very successful, but they also had life issues too. Like we all do, right? We all uh -huh. face stuff. And the one thing I noticed about them is they always seemed to have what I would characterize as peace. Now I didn't really have that terminology back then but they just always seemed to have peace and and have hope right um that things were going to turn out in their favor and i struggled with that you know and so i went to church with them one day after them asking me i don't know how many times i was living in uh, northern california at this point right in california and that day i made a decision that i was going to have a relationship with god for me that's jesus and and it really began, and I'm going to say it that way very intentionally, it began to set me on a new course. Now, I still had tons of baggage, tons of issues. I'm still far from a perfect human being, to say the least. Um, but it began another addition of having just a different mindset, you know, a different moral compass, right, if I could right. say that, and, um, a different compass in terms of wanting to contribute to the world and, you know, have my part to play in, in making the world a better place for, you know, those I encounter. So those things all kind of collided around that same time, around 31 years old. So I, I believe, you know, it, and I'm not trying to make any kind of theological statements here, but I, I do believe that even though I had not accepted a relationship with God when I made that decision to quit meth, I believe that he was already working in my heart at that time. Mm -hmm. You have no idea how much I appreciate what you just shared. That really touched my heart in many different mm -hmm. ways. And I thank you for sharing that with the audience. What happened in 2020? Our, our world was turned upside down September 23rd, 2019. But the mm -hmm. entire world was turned upside down in 2020. Please expound on that. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, we, we told enough of my uh, origin story, but I'll just 
frame it with this, you know, I ended up ultimately you know, meeting my bride of over 20 years. We had three boys. Life was good, Carol, you know, and we had ups and downs like anybody else. We did suffer a miscarriage. Um, two of our three boys were born prematurely, including our youngest who was born three months early at one pound, 14 ounces in oh, the hospital wow. for two and a half months, you know? So, so we, we have been through some stuff like most human beings do. Right. But September 23rd is a whole different um, level of, of that kind of experience in life. And that involved my oldest son. So he, he was extraordinary and he's going to come into play, you know, probably in some of the next parts of our conversation, but he, uh, he was just a courageous young man. You know, he, he was one of those kids that (laughs) I like to say he was very verbal from a very early age. Mm. I mean, gifted with communication, which, you know, had its ups and downs (laughs) depending on (laughs) what was going on. It was, uh, it was an interesting ride with him because he, he had very strong opinions from the time he was very little. But ultimately, at about eight, he decided he wanted to become a pilot. He never let go of it. And when he was in high school, he began to get some opportunities for that to actually take place, which we felt was, um, again, as a, as a believer in particular, you know, we felt like it was God's favor and, and miraculous to some degree because we didn't have the money. And yet somehow he was able to you know, work it out. And, and he became a pilot. He actually flew solo at 16 years old before he even had his driver's license. Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy when you, when you say it. And then at 17, which is the youngest you can be to actually become a licensed pilot. He did exactly that. He passed, you know, all the exams and the check rides and everything necessary for that to happen. And he became a licensed pilot and we were just living the dream in September of 2019 and just thought, you know, everything was just going our way, Carol. It's just how we felt, you know? And then uh, one day, it was September 23rd, as you said, he jumped in a plane. It was just an ordinary day. He was flying a friend up to Arkansas, which we live in North Texas. So it's a you know couple hours of flight up to um, Fayetteville, Arkansas to drop her off at school. She attended school there and he did that, dropped her off safely. Then he jumped back in his plane and was headed back home and about 20 minutes on his return flight, uh, he went through some pretty heavily wooded hilly areas and an unexpected weather system came through. And when that happened, he lost his horizon and he ended up crashing into the side of the mountain oh and lost his life. And so to say our world was turned upside down, there's never a great way to say it. There's no exactly. way to describe it. But in an instant, that's exactly what took place. You know, we, we started a journey we never asked for. I remember even the morning of, you know, my, my two other sons were at that time, uh, 14 and nine. So my middle was just starting his freshman year of high school and they had, uh, I, I won't take you, you know, through that night, Carol, cause it was a, a very long, oh, no confusing wow. night. Wow. We, we actually got the original call at about 8 PM that we knew he had disappeared but we didn't officially know until about 3.30 a.m. that he was indeed gone. And so, you know, it was a hellish night and we did not wake our boys up for that. We didn't want them to, you know, have to go through any of that stuff that we were going through. So the next morning I had to sit and talk with them. And, and this is where, you know, I think a decision was made that has really been the best way I've learned to describe it is, is like a compass, something that continues to help us just calibrate in a certain direction. And that was, you know, I, I don't I don't think I said this part earlier. 
I had become a pastor, you know, so I was a pastor for over 17 years during this part of my life. And, and uh, the only reason why I think that's even important is just because the type of work that I did, I, you know, I helped a lot of people that have gone through some really difficult challenges, traumas, and in some case, you know, losing a loved one and even a child, you know, to death. And so I had, I had had some experience with that. And I knew that if we didn't find a way to frame it, and, and this will make sense in a minute, I don't, I don't want to confuse anybody here, but if we, if we didn't frame it correctly, I just knew how bad things can get. I've seen marriages implode. I've seen families just fall apart in the face of tragedy. And so that framing was just simply this, Carol. I said, you know, Gabriel was courageous. He lived life to the fullest. He also taught himself guitar. He was an amazing photographer that had some incredible opportunities with that. He graduated a year early. I mean, he, he lived life, Carol. Aww. And so I, I told the boys that morning, I said, we can't honor him and we can't even honor God if our focus for the rest of our lives is going to be revolving his death. Exactly. And how he died yes. and being trapped in that. I said, so there's a second choice. And that second choice is we're going to choose to move forward, focusing on how he lived <laughs> now. And, and I, I'm willing to go anywhere you want to go with this, but I'll just throw this out immediately for our listeners. It's been four years. It has not been an easy road. We have done none of it perfectly. Um, we've had ups and downs. We've had many tears. We've had challenging times that have challenged our faith, you know, since that has happened. We've been angry at different times that this had to be a part of our story. So all those things still come into play. You still have to live this out. But I do stand on the fact, especially after doing so many of these interviews, frankly, and then just meeting and helping um, a lot of people over the last several years that that decision was huge and it definitely has been something that has helped us again I, I use the word recalibrate because life continues to punch you in the mouth in certain ways and different things like you said COVID hit three months later you know so that's a whole other story but we just we just made that decision Carol that we were going to choose to honor the way he lived by living our lives courageously you can make a courageous decision I love that. We are going to take a short break. And when we come back, we want to talk about your book and also some coping strategies that you have for the audience. So we'll be right back. Carol Graham would like to show you the path from misery to miraculous triumph in her fast-paced memoir, Battered Hope. She relates her determination to succeed as someone who experienced one horrendous nightmare after another gang raped and left for dead, loss of a child, husband falsely imprisoned, and cancer. Nothing could break her tenacity or faith. No matter what you face, heartache, loss, suffering, or injustice, Carol will illustrate how she became a victor the same way you can. The secret is to never, ever give up hope. Order your copy at Amazon or batteredhope.blogspot.com. Welcome back to Never Ever Give Up Hope. We're chatting with Clint Hatton today, and his story has definitely touched my heart, and I am sure that it 
is touching yours as well. We were talking about the loss of his son and the tragedy of that. And now how this affected him, his family, his life, and what he learned through that experience that can have an impact for you as well. So my question to you is this, how do you not allow fear, loss, or anything else that life throws at you, but instead you are a carrier of hope, living your dream, love that, and choosing to find a way to love and serve others along the way? Yeah, thank you for asking me that question. You know, and it's um, it's obviously a little bit layered too, right? There's no one thing or or this perfect, you know, ABC formula. But I do believe that not only have I learned a few key things that have helped us tremendously, but I think there are things that help any human being. And we really already talked about one, and that is first you have to make the decision mm-hmm. because if if you don't make a decision that okay. I want to live courageously. You don't have to use that word, but I want to live the type of life where I have an impact. I want to help others. You know, if you haven't made that decision, then you're probably not going to get very far. So, you know, I think when we talk about my story, obviously up to this point before Gabriel passed away, I had been helping people, you know, I've I've been pastoring for 17 years, speaking, doing all that kind of stuff. So it's not so much Carol that, you know, I, I made this, radical pivot but i think what it did what what gabriel's death did for me and i'm saying that very intentionally Mm -hmm. um and as a matter of fact i'm going to back myself up just for a second so no one misconstrues what i'm saying okay i don't believe at all that this thing happened to me so that I could become a certain kind of person. I don't believe that at all, but I do believe things happen to all of us and how we respond to that is going to dictate where we go. So if I could frame it with that first. So, however, that being said, you know, losing your oldest son is, is devastating. And so what I felt I got from him, if I could say it that way, is he just, seemed to have no fear. Now I know he had to have fear, right? Mm-hmm. Cause we all fight fear, but you just wouldn't know it based on his choices. And you wouldn't know it based on the actions that he took to live an adventurous life. You know, we've talked about him becoming a pilot, which is obviously a big deal, but that wasn't the only area of his life that he was right. that way. And so for me, I began to really just take a hard look at my life. And I realized, and I say this actually in my book that there were pockets pockets where I was a coward. You know, I thought about launching a coaching business for years, but just never had the courage to do it. You know, I thought about, and I'd been encouraged to write a book for 15 plus years easily (laughs) and, you know, never had the courage. And so, you know, that was one thing that his death did for me was I began to realize, okay, none of us, we all know this consciously, but none of us are guaranteed tomorrow you and i aren't guaranteed after we get off this call you know none of us are guaranteed anything of course and i felt like i was just uh, a former athlete so here's a little sports thing but (laughs) i felt like i was leaving things on the field right i wasn't playing the game the way i was meant to play it and so that made me begin to make 
choices that I had not before. And so along with that, because these things were happening all at the same time, is COVID hit three months later after he passed away. And, you know, we got a year, year and a half into that. And again, this is not a political statement. I just, it doesn't matter who I've talked to in the last couple of years, whether they're left-leaning, right-leaning, it doesn't matter. Everyone agrees that fear got unleashed on our planet on a scale of which we've never seen before, right? We can all agree on that. And so I got frustrated is probably the kindest way to say it. Um, I got really angry with the degree of fear and how it was Mm -hmm. causing so many people that I knew, let alone people you hear about and read about to stop living, to, to really stop dreaming, stop living, not even see family and, you know, all these different things that that happens during that time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, most people would agree. I would have said the same thing to start writing a book that involved my son's story only two years after losing him was very early. And I'm, I'm very aware of that. Um, I wrote it because I felt compelled that I knew there were things in his story and, you know, ultimately our story as a family Yes, that there was a resilience factor that we had chosen and that we were living out. There were, you know, uh, you, you asked me, how do you fight fear? Well, I, I, I didn't coin this phrase. Anybody will know that the second I say it, eating fear for breakfast, don't know who to give credit for, you know, for that. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's a catchy phrase. Someone made it up a long time ago. But I like that phrase and I use it because that's what eating fear is like. It's like breakfast because it happens every day. There's not a day where we don't have to overcome some sort of fearful thought, right? They're not all equal. Some are not as debilitating or crippling, but we all fight fear. We you know, fear of whether or not we're going to be liked, fear of whether or not that something we're doing is significant, fear of you know, getting on a plane for us, you know, after the crash, you know, there's lots of options, right? <laughs> I mean, exactly. fear comes in many yes. faces. But it starts with this idea that I'm not going to let it stop me from living my life. So that's ultimately why I ended up writing the book when I did. And uh, I, I want to get off the book because we're not here to, to try and sell my book. That's not the point of this call. But I want to say this much about it. I, I knew I wasn't going to write a classical book on grieving. Yes, I do talk about some of the processes that we have lived by, and I'm saying that intentionally as well. It's not just theory. It's things we've done Uh um, that that have definitely helped us in the grieving process. And now, you know, the book's been out for a while. uh, It's helped a lot of people, but it goes way beyond that. And it really goes beyond that into what is your mindset about life and how do you respond to the challenges that you face because there's many forms of loss right not everyone thank god is going to experience losing a child but many have but whatever form of loss i i actually ironically just had breakfast with a friend of mine right before we got on this call whose 40 something year old wife has had a series of just awful strokes over the last few years and they didn't think she was going to make it. And, and, you know, just the life that they're living that he, he right now she's alive, but he's, he's suffering loss. 
because yes. that friend, yes. that best friend, that, that beautiful human being right now doesn't function that way anymore. Right. And so, you know, I just knew when I wrote this book that there's a lot of forms of loss in that I could just be one small part in helping some people not give in to crippling fear. So that that's kind of how I ended up on this new journey. If I could just say, it's not so much that I had this new passion to help people. I would say it was just put on steroids because another thing that I believe, you know, death can do for you if you allow it is that it increases your compassion for other people. Right. I'm not near Carol. I'm not near as um, quick right. to judge yes. people the way yes. that I did before, you know, um, someone's cutting you off on the road or someone's being rude to you in person. You know, I'm just not as quick to react to that kind of thing anymore because I just have this tendency to remember that, you know, there's more to this story and I have no idea what this person is going through, mm-hmm. you know, that may have led to that behavior. Um, so, but, but to get back to your, you know, your, your question, that's what launched me on this passion. I just, I just want to help people. I just want to help right, people. Right. I get it. So I, I want to throw out just a couple of very practical things because there, you know, I'm sure there's people listening to this and will listen to this that have suffered a trauma and, you know, feeling your emotions is probably the number one thing that I could encourage someone to do today. And there's other things, you know, you can get therapy. You, you need people in your life that you can talk to. Um, you, for me, turning again, what was a tragic situation and really that affected the rest of our lives because we'll, we'll never have him back right on, on this side. Um, but using even his story to help people and change people's lives. And, you know, he, he's been an inspiration to so many people that have learned about his story and what he did in the short time that he had, you know? Mm. So I think you can call that giving it, giving your pain a purpose. There's other ways to say it. So those are all things that have been very healing for me, but actually embracing real emotions through the grieving process, which by the way, we are still in. And I believe you will always be there. Mm -hmm. There will always be a layer of that was huge. And it started very early. And and that was one of the things I told my other boys that morning was, you know, we don't know how it's going to hit. We don't know when it's going to hit, you know, triggers are everywhere, but we are going to feel whatever it is and it's okay and we're going to do it together we're going to do it publicly meaning not not putting ourselves on a platform or trying to even do this but just we're going to be open and real about what we're facing so sometimes that meant crying and we've cried many tears sometimes that's been laughter carol he was he was an amazing guy. So we have lots of <laughs> yes. fond memories and fun stories and things that he did that were quirky or even dumb or, you know, or whatever, you know. And so sometimes that's laughter. Sometimes it's anger. You know, we don't we don't make a habit of cursing in our home. You know, it's and for me that's not even a religious thing. It's to me it's more of a I may offend somebody here, but I just think there's a more intelligent way to talk than that being, you know, a, a, a heavy part of your command on the English language, right? If I could say that. Um, but I even told my boys, you know, at 
that morning and on the days and weeks and years ahead that, listen, if you get so angry and even a curse word comes out, you need to know there's no punishment. It's okay. We're just going right, to process. Right, right. You know, we're going to process. And so we've done all of that. And we've had lots of days where things have gone very, very well. And we've had some days where it, you know, it, it's harder and not every day is a good day. But again, keeping just that mindset, and I don't want to overuse that word, but it really is just the way you think about your life and the way you think about where you want your story to go. We keep that in front of us. And that's allowed us, in my case, to be able to help people through my coaching, through the speaking, through through my book. My wife is an artist and her art and the way she goes about her thing is incredible. What it does for people, it's very healing as well. And and then both my other sons, you know, one's in uh, Oklahoma State University right now pursuing his business degree. That's his version of, I know I haven't used the phrase big, bold, brave much, but living big, bold, brave, which is our family mantra. And my youngest, uh, he's working on his second degree, black belt. He, you know, he's super smart, <laughs> taking, you know, high, high level classes and, and just killing it in school. And, you know, we, we, we attack life, but that doesn't mean we don't have to fight fear. We all have to fight fear. You said so many things that they're all bumper sticker moments <laughs> and they're awesome and i mean we could take one and just dissect it and i appreciate everything that you said i also appreciate the that you are sharing practical steps in dealing with grief and life in general and yeah. i like to think of myself as being <laughs> the most practical person in the world because <laughs> and so i was totally relate it to what you said in so many ways and I thank you for that. In conclusion, what would you like I mean basically you've summed it up already, but anything else in conclusion you would like to say to the audience? Well, one thing I, we didn't talk about this before, one thing I'd like to do for your listeners because you know there are time restraints and we could go on all day with different layers of exactly you know my my story and and even your story and how you know how it relates to your life and the things you've been through. but i I do want to offer what we can do this uh, probably on your website link. okay. I'll send you a link to my free guide. It's five steps and how to make courage how to make courageous decisions because I do think, Again, I'm not talking ABC formula per se, but I do think that there are components to a mindset and the way you approach life and challenges that will definitely serve you well. So I want to give that to the listeners. So let's do that oh, for absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Okay. Um, but I think the the other thing I just want to leave people with, and you know, the we're talking about never giving up hope, right? That's the purpose of this podcast and the beautiful work that you're doing is you cannot do that alone. <laughs> you can't do it alone. And so, you know, as a family, we've grown very tight, as you have probably guessed and can imagine. Um, our family's tighter than it's ever been. But we've also embraced other people who live these same values. And I think yes. that's an important distinction. Um, we, we, it's not like we kicked people out of our life but we began to prioritize 
the ones that we spend the most time with, the ones that we'll allow in our inner circle, the ones we'll allow to speak into our lives, uh, we, we tighten that down dramatically going through this experience. And so this is a critical piece for everybody listening. And if you don't have someone today, because I recognize that could be the case, you've got to find a way, you've got to reach out, you know, maybe contact someone like you, Carol, a coach. And, and, you know, I mean, I know it sounds like, gosh, I have to hire somebody, but if that's what it takes, yes, draw somebody into your life that can up, give you some uplift, right? Breathe some life into you, you know, hear what your dreams are, listen to you cry, you know, whatever it is that you need, you can't do this thing alone. It's going to require, and I like to use the word collaboration. It's going to require collaborating with other people that you help them, they help you, and we're all better off because of it. And so I just want to leave that as an encouragement to anybody out there who's, who's really struggling for any reason. Do whatever it takes. Hire somebody. <laughs> Go. If, it, if it's for you, if it's, if it's a faith thing and it's church, man, start joining some groups, you know, and meet people, do whatever you can to surround yourself with some people. They're going to live by the values that you value. Wow. You had a lot, you had a lot of more of those bumper sticker moments in there. <laughs> <laughs> I really, oh my goodness, there's so many. And thank you for also sharing the practical steps that, that uh, we can download. And Again, thank you so much for being on Never Ever Give Up Hope. You definitely are the poster boy for that. I appreciate Mm -hmm. that you've been there, you've done that, and you're coming out and helping others as a result. So again, thank you so much. Thank you, Carol. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.